Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri here with you on this April the 8th, 2020, right here on SportsGrid, sportsgrid.com. Getting a lot of love also on uh, Pluto's end. So thank mm. you so much to the good people at Pluto TV for retweeting us and liking us and uh, all the content. And uh, yeah, we're putting out new content for you guys every single day here on the show. So make sure you stay tuned. we got a lot to get to here on the show today. we got, of course, our classic stadiums. Mm-hmm couple of different ones today. Uh, you know, Joe may have alluded to one of the stadiums we may touch on in the NBA, so you'll have to stay tuned for that as well. Of course, our This Day in Fantasy Sports, our birthdays, and then, of course, I've got my 1990 through 1999 Legends draft that Ooh. is now completed, so we'll get into that as well. Uh, before we get into our hot topic of the day, I know exactly where we're going to start off with this show for sure because it is baseball-related, but I must ask Joe, how are you? How is everything going? It is good to be with you here this morning. Yeah, I got to tell you, you threw me for a loop uh, yesterday because you told me there's going to be an extra episode now of Tiger King, yes. and I'm, I mean, I got everybody ready to go. We got DVRs. They said it's going to be uploaded, I think, by the weekend. Yes, so Friday. Yeah. I cannot wait to see what kind of train wreck everyone has become. I'm looking. I heard there's a few surprises. That's uh, what I heard, too. I yeah. heard there's a few surprises. So if you, you still got time, if you haven't seen it uh, and you haven't wasted uh, I've that full night, thing. do it. Yeah, I've watched do it. it. Yeah, I've watched it. I, and look, this time there's there's really not a lot on. Better Call Saul is one of the shows that I watched, the Breaking Bad spinoff. Good. Yep. And 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 again, it's like the t- I watched it last night, and then today I'm like, okay, now I got nothing to watch. So uh, just uh, that's part of it. So Why I can only wait a day on these things. Wretch it out. Like, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm the anti binge. That's, that's that's what I'm doing here. Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of binging, what is up with baseball here, Joe? So I mean, this is like. One of the wackiest things that I've heard in a long time, and and I've been communicating with people around Major League Baseball now for the last, I don't know, about 24 hours Mm -hmm. since the story came out. And just for clarity here, we got to set the table here because uh, it came out at night, essentially, that uh, that, uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN reported that, and by the way, the Athletic also previously reported, Ken Rosenthal, that there was a chance that they could play their season, the baseball season in Arizona. The Associated Press put a little thing out on it, and then Jeff Passan really went into it in almost like an overnight report yeah. about Major League Baseball essentially quarantining themselves, 30 teams, playing all in Arizona, playing in spring training. Then the morning comes yesterday, and Major League Baseball's like, whoa, hold on here a minute. Like, we, are, we haven't really said anything. We haven't mm-hmm. gone anywhere. And I got to tell you, Joe, the reviews on this idea are unfortunately as negative as I've heard almost anything in Major League Baseball. Now, I know that mm. there are a lot of purists out there, and they want things the way that they were, and they don't you know, want things changed, and people don't like the three-batter minimum, and they don't like speeding the game up, and they don't like the DH. They don't, I mean, there's a million things that the old-school baseball, and I consider mm. myself an old-school baseball person, but I am willing to have all of these changes that baseball wants, the wild card, extra mm. postseason, reality shows. I'm all in on it. But I don't want to kill anybody in the process, Joe. And 
and and again to be as blunt as possible uh, with all due respect to what Major League Baseball is trying to accomplish, and basically, essentially, yes, this is my livelihood. I right. talk fantasy baseball. Like, this is, like, you would think for anybody watching, like, Craig, you should be all for this. This You want baseball back at any cost. But I ain't like that. I like to keep it real. And, Joe, for me, if this is something that they want to try, and they want to try it in August or September, and that's sort of the plan, I mean, even though I think it's it's still not a great idea to have all 30 of your teams in one city playing in 10 stadiums, like, scheduling the heat the right. families uh you know uh, contracting there's just so so much that would have to be unpacked with this but first and foremost i got to start with this it's april the 8th <laughs> you really think that in three weeks it's over and right. everyone's gonna just fly to arizona i mean the timeline for this to me was just bonkers so uh i mean i got a lot on this joe i don't know what you were thinking when you saw this you know what it was i i, I like the idea craig that at very least and and there weren't any specific dates there everything is generalities but which is good because i'm so glad they didn't give us any date to kick the can down the road again but at least now i thought what they did was they gave us the blueprint if a happens then b if b happens we're working on and possibly c so the idea, and I guess the approach that they're taking is the testing being available, not if you have it, but those that might have had the antibodies. So on a mass scale, that's how they're looking to approach getting not only baseball back at it, but the, the country back at it. That's how they're looking to approach it. They seem very confident with it. Major League Baseball seems confident. A lot of Adam Silver, which is fine because now at least it tells me, all right, if A happens, then we can figure out this is what we're thinking about with B. But if A doesn't happen, we ain't getting to B. So, it, and there's no data, so there's no hard date, there's no nothing. Well, it, they said May, they want to start. Well, start May like could a, be June. As long I, as I, I know A has to happen first, and, and that to me is going to trigger everything else. So, I'm not even thinking about it until I know that first part of the equation, the mass testing, the ability to test, Certainly yeah, for those that may have had thing. it, then yeah. there's nothing else to discuss until that happens. Yeah, until that happens, yep. and maybe some sort of cure right. or, vi or or antivirus. I mean, there's yep. got to be something in place here. You cannot put these people at risk. And the yep. other part of this is that, like, remember who's putting this together. Like, this is the owners mm. that are putting this together. Like, the players are the key factor in this, too, because essentially they're still getting paid a portion of their salary this season, whether or not they can come to an agreement as to how they would play these games. If they didn't, the players are still going to get a portion of their salary. So for this year in particular, it would hurt the owners. I think that the deal that they did, if they didn't play at all, will help the owners in the future. But specifically for 2020, uh, it definitely, I, I think it does favor the players because they're going to be the ones that are getting paid. And essentially, the owners will not. There'll be no gate. There'll be no TV. So I understand that they want to get that done. But, Joe, and, and in my conversations that I'm having privately, because nobody wants to talk about anything that's not really public at this point yet. I mean, it's just speculation. But I think about this for a sec, Joe. If, if you're 20, 21, 22, 26 years old, you're a young guy, you're playing in Major League Baseball, they tell you to be in Arizona in a week, get ready. You're like gung-ho, you're on the plane, you're gone. And I get it. And I get it, and they should be. And we are seeing the young people in our country. Right. They're all want they they're all over it. They're going to the beaches. They're not doing social distance. Look, I, I understand that. Look, I went to college. You went to college. Look, it's cool. You want to hang out. You want to have fun. You're playing a game. You're making millions. I get it. They're not taking into consideration 
the guys who have wives, yep. the guys who have wives and children. And I am telling you right now, Joe, the idea of any time soon until this is completely over mm -hmm. of the wives agreeing to this and potentially putting any of their kids in any kind of jeopardy and mm -hmm. some of them even potentially who knows with health issues to fly into a place to be quarantined with even the chance of something happens. Right. I just I simply don't think I think that there is going to be it may not be 50 percent of the players that don't want to do this. It may not be 20 percent, mm -hmm. but there is going to be enough yelling and it's going to be coming from from the wives and mm -hmm. the families saying, hey, look, like, I don't care how much money they're paying you. You are not putting our lives in jeopardy, our children's lives in right. jeopardy. So you can go play for three months in Arizona like you were just yeah. going to take your salary hit and you could come back the next right. year when this is all clear. Yep. And I think they got to consider that yep. as, as part of this, because at least from my conversations, the younger guys who I'm talking to were like, hey, you know, like, you know, doesn't, yeah. doesn't it doesn't sound like a good idea. Mm -hmm. But if this is what we got to do, this is what we got to do. The right. older guys that I'm talking to, they're like, whoa, like, right. man, like, I like, like, they're not. It's like a, it's like a dinner table conversation, Joe, at this point. Right. You can picture it. It's like the wife and the husband are sitting at the table. The husband's just kind of eating the dinner, just being like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And mm -hmm. the wife's like, you're not going, you're not. And the husband's just like, man, I hope that this does not end up happening. Yep. We are going to have a problem because you know that they're going to want to play. Yep. So I don't see it. I, I Look, I, for our purposes and for baseball purposes, this is my livelihood. Of course I want to see games. Of course yep. I want to see a season. But I also don't want to see something that could really derail all of this, Joe, which would be... What if there was a scenario, forget about people dying, because okay, mm -hmm. I don't want to go that far, but what if they had to stop? Mm -hmm. What if they started up and they did all of this for a few weeks and then they stopped and they couldn't pick it back up? Would it have been worth all this effort right. to embarrass yourselves? Right. I want a season to happen, Joe, but I want it under the right circumstances. Right. Start this thing up in July or August, play your 80-game season or 100-game season. If there's no fans, there's no fans. Play them in the cities. Right. That, that you can play them in across the country. If you can't play in New York, I understand that. It's just, it's, it's an unfortunate tragedy that's happening now. Instead of playing there, you guys can pick a new stadium. If mm -hmm. California won't let you, then you guys, and then figure it out across the country. Yep. But, but these 10 little spring training facilities to, to, to hold 30 teams, <laughs> and, and you can't play during the day. There's no day games. You cannot That's play right. during the day at all nope. unless you're playing in Chase Field. So what are they going to do? Switch off like once a week somebody plays a day game? Yeah. There's double headers every day at the spring training facilities. Right. <laughs> it, it seems so far-fetched. I applaud them for trying to get this done. But I certainly hope that this isn't like the take-it-or-leave-it scenario, Joe. Yeah, I, and I doubt it is very much. I, and to me, this is all Major League Baseball, if – People are not, if the waiters, waitresses, cooks, chefs, um, if folks aren't going back to work, if they are, if there is still a situation where you have a significant portion of a lot of different industries still not going and not going because it's not safe or whatever it may be, I don't see how any of these sports just take it upon themselves to be the first ones. Uh, but I do think at least the plan, not just for baseball, but in every uh, industry here right now that's been derailed by this is mass testing on a level where maybe we'll be surprised how many people already had it, didn't know they had it, uh, have already the antibodies uh, proving against it. It's strength in numbers, and right now the perception is 
The numbers are not in our favor, guys. It's not good. But a lot can happen between now and the end of April. The testing, if they can get that on a mass scale coming out where you can feel safe enough to start sending, and forget about baseball players, just sending you know, us, the, the public, back to work I know. in well, some getting capacity. Getting the mail. I don't see how baseball, it's never going to be baseball first and then the rest of us back. It's got to be in some capacity, we're going back to dinner, people are getting their jobs back, they're going that type of thing first, then I think baseball can follow with at least somewhat of a clear head knowing that, you know, we're not just jamming 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag because it's more money that way. Yeah, I mean, you had you had the most deaths in New York in the last 48 hours with this. And 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 look it that and there's a lot of good news, by the way, with this. A yeah. lot less yeah. people are are uh, are coming down with this yeah. and the numbers are improving everywhere. But let's be real. Like, you're, I mean, and again, if they would have given me a timeline of June or July or August, I would have said, well, you know, OK, let's dive. In. But you cannot tell me that in three weeks that this is going to be done and ready to go, which is sort of what yeah. they're insinuating here. Uh, speaking of which, late I listen, and I hope they know something we don't. I really do. Hey, well, maybe so. I, I, I maybe really that's do. why the Masters gave us November. Yep. Ex I you know? really I mean, do. Maybe that's why. They all had that phone call over the weekend, guys. Yeah. Every and we weren't privy to that call, right? We were just given like private calls after. I'm just saying, maybe yeah. they know something we don't, and I'm okay with that too. Yeah. Uh, late yesterday, by the way, after all this happened with baseball, the athletic director from uh, Notre Dame mm -hmm. came out and had some really interesting comments, Joe, about specifically his uh, team. And of course, the Notre Dame is you know, certainly a, a kind yeah. of a conference in its own as far as football is concerned. Yeah. Uh, basically, he said that he and I don't want to misquote, but mm -hmm. along the lines alluded to Notre Dame does not is not going to play games without fans right. in the stands. And it's a, a college football is a is a fan it's a fan sport. It is mm -hmm. the cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. It is the players. And they basically said there's a couple scenarios. One being start the season later and eliminate the non-conference games. Mm -hmm. Reasonable. The other is even if this is super bad and they can't start playing with fans until 2021, start mm -hmm. the season up in January and right. run through March. So you can see here how different leagues and different teams are approaching this, but uh, that was really interesting to see because it almost seems as though if this is coming from a key athletic director in college football, make no mistake about it, however you feel about Notre Dame one way or the other, they're one of the most popular teams in all of college or professional sports. If this is the way that they feel about it, mm -hmm. I'm starting to think college football is going to have fans or nothing. This is certainly what it sounded like. Well, it's Notre Dame is such the outlier who speaks for no conference, nobody but themselves, which is nice because you already cashed that check that NBC gave you for the rights to your games years ago. But the reality is, Notre Dame, you take a year off, Notre Dame is probably going to survive. But um, Prairie View, not going to survive. The Gonzaga, not going to survive. There's a lot of schools around this country that without college football and the income it provides, gate or no gate, the ability of being able to get that money in, especially since the NCAA lost March Madness, um, you are talking about not only schools not playing, dropping programs, scholarships gone, jobs gone, I mean, you name it, the ripple effect of not playing football because fans aren't in there, it won't be fun, it won't be great, but 
economically, it's impossible to be able to exist without playing the games. Absolutely. The TV rights for the big that's conferences. The, that's the key is the TV. Without TV, they're, they're, they're done. They can't. And that's that ripple effect is, you know, Notre Dame, I appreciate it. You know, you'll uh, you'll probably survive one way or the other. But a lot of the a uh, lot of the smaller schools, smaller conferences won't. They just won't. Yeah, no, it's 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 really fascinating because again, one of the comments was we wouldn't really like have an issue playing spring football with right. with fans being there. And again, at least according to a lot of the timelines, if you think about it, we're still sort of in the spring. It's April the eighth. So yes. you would think that, my gosh, with the technology that we have, I know they put a timeline on having, you know, some sort of antivirus in there right. like a like a or vaccine in like a year. You would think that it would be shorter for us right. here in the states. We just simply don't know. But if and it's also kind of selfish, though. I think it's a bit of a selfish comment too. Like, why? Because you think Notre Dame fans wouldn't want to watch it at home? Like, you don't think Notre Dame fans would still want to see football? You're just not going to do it because you know we don't want to play without fans. Well, there's a lot of Notre Dame fans all over, the, especially down here in South Florida. There are Notre they're Dame everywhere. bars. Oh, they're everywhere. What? You think they wouldn't want to watch football? I mean, I think it's a little, uh, it's a little over the edge there with the we won't play if there's no fans. Like, there's fans everywhere. Not everyone is able to come to see a game anyway. So you're going to deprive them of, of seeing football because you don't want to play in an empty stadium? I suppose we should wait for the Southeastern Conference to make their statement. At well, that they're point, the only one who could at, survive. At that point, we'll know exactly, <laughs> exactly. What, what the story was. When the SEC exactly. decides to yep. tell us what they're going to do, yep. then at that point, then we'll know. Because uh, ESPN, if I'm not mistaken, just bought out uh, the SEC from uh, CBS. Yes, absolutely and, correct. I don't yep. know how CBS let that go, yep. but uh, ESPN just bought that out. Yep. So uh, specifically, when they tell us if there's going to be something happening, I'll, I'll pay a lot more attention than yeah. uh, specifically Coach Dame. Good. All right. There's uh, a lot to figure out TV-wise in November oh. if it's all happening. <laughs> I, 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 hope, I hope we get to that point yes. where I can't get my, my head around that thing. Yep. All right. Uh, Fantasy Sports Today rolls on uh, April the 8th. It's our This Day in Fantasy Sports, also our Fantasy Sports birthday. That's coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri here with you on Sports Grid. This is FST. Make sure you stay tuned a little bit later on as we're going to have a lot more programming here for you, including Scott Farrell's show, uh, Coast to Coast, and also Game Time Decisions. And also congratulations uh, are in order, Joe, for a couple of our shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, Scott and Gabe uh, on the Game Time Decisions show and Scott show are going to be uh, featured on uh, SB Nation Radio, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yep, it's uh, got back on the uh, the radio landscape as well as uh, Sports Grid uh, continuing uh, from platform to platform, distribution to distribution. Uh, pretty much nowhere you won't be able to either watch us or hear us. That's for sure. Yeah, 
And uh, and our show is uh, headed to Nick Jr. Nickelodeon Jr. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's like right behind the NFL games. We're just right here. We're not we're not going anywhere. That's <laughs> yeah. MT, MTV three. We're going to be debuting. When Miss shows up with a ventriloquist doll and starts doing this, that's when it's time to pack it in, man. It's pack- that's- I'm going to have a juggling show before this coronavirus is all said and done. Oh, I love it. All right. So uh, here on the show, as you know, uh, every day around this time, what we do is we do this day in fantasy sports Mm -hmm. history. We also do our birthdays in fantasy sports history. So without further ado, we bring them to you. April the 8th, 2020. That's today. This day in fantasy sports history, we get started. We talked about this a few days ago when Hank Aaron ended up tying uh, Babe Ruth in mm-hmm. 1974. I, I guess, I mean, now that I think about it, it must have taken him a few days uh, to hit number 715. Wow. And so you know, here it is. So 1974, of course, he passes the Babe. And Joe, you've seen the video a million times. It's uh, it's him rounding the bases, mm-hmm. right? Going around. And then who greets him at home plate in Milwaukee? A couple of guys, right? They pat him on the back. Yep. And then who's interviewing him after with like a 1970s recorder? None other than Craig Sager. Yeah. That's one of the moments that I'll always remember um, yep. seeing that video over and over and over again. Of course, Hank Aaron ended up hitting 755 home runs over the course of his career. And then Barry Bonds went on to uh, to break that record. But uh, this day, April 8th, 1974, Hank Aaron hits home run. I remember seven. that dude who hopped out of the stands and started chasing him around second base, man. I think they, in- they found out who that guy was and they interviewed him, I think, years later. About how uh, they interviewed those guys too that were patting him on the back. On the back, yeah. right? Remember that? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. really um, a moment that nobody uh, will ever forget. Right around that time, and think yeah, about well, it, it was how many years when he broke it in? What seventy four? Yeah. So it had been, and the Ruth did that what in the twenties? So that was one of those records nobody thought would ever be no, broken. No, no, ever. Just, like, he played forever, and now, yep. now you could see anybody breaking it with the amount of home runs yeah. that are hit. Um, by the way, what would they do to any fans that were like, let's say hypothetically, I mean, I don't know, like, let's say Pete Alonzo in 10 years broke the record. It's, it's insane to even think I have 15 years. What, what would they do to a fan who would run on the field to, to pat Pete Alonzo on the back after that home run? That guy would be in. Well, it's like, game. you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does not make a sound? <laughs> I mean, they, they they would destroy people, the, the oh. people on the field. I mean, oh these guys, Lord. they would break their legs. Laser, you know, they'd get tasered. It would tasered be, yeah, on the field. be crazy. Yep. I mean, how did they allow so many people to get on that field after that home run? That's yeah. crazy. Crazy. And the, how were they not prepped for it? Like, really? They did not think it was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, yep. every at-bat, they were yep. waiting for the home run. Crazy. Okay, uh, our second piece of fantasy history, Frank Robinson, once upon a time, was not only a Hall of Fame baseball player, but Mm -hmm. also a manager. And when he was done playing, actually was right at the end of his baseball career, kind of a player-manager, in 1975, he became the first African-American Major League Baseball manager in 1975 and certainly paved the way for others to... Uh, get involved in the game and be managers as well. Um, Frank Robinson was a great, great baseball player, uh, but not my favorite person of all right. time. Did not have wonderful interviewing and personal experiences with him, although I will recognize he was one of the greatest players that ever played baseball, Joe. I wish I could have some super nice things to say about Frank Robinson, but always seemed to be mad about something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he was, and I don't know if he... I don't know if he played that angry, um, but or if it was that was his demeanor from 
back in the day, but certainly uh, a lot of members of the media feel exactly the way you do. That yeah, he was not really exactly a sweetheart of a guy. No, he was tough, and especially even at the end when he was the manager, and he was a good manager too. He was the manager of the Montreal Expos. Yep. But um, yeah, not uh, hmm. not not the nicest guy to not be in the world. Guy, and then, nope. and then in fact, at the All Star Game, many many years later, even I tried to like just forget about all that, and it was I believe it was two thousand and eight, and I saw him in the airport and went over and wanted to take a picture, and he's like, no. So yeah. I'm like, Okay, yeah. Frank Robinson just living up to exactly, you know, kind of exactly like he, did the, he, he, he did the whole like, oh, I can't hear you thing. And then, you know, yep. Okay, so moving on. Great story Ooh. there. Moving yep. on to, to 1995. Boy, this is a blast from the past, right? This is when, you know, boxing is deteriorating at the heavyweight level. Oliver McCall ends up shocking Larry Holmes, who didn't even deserve to be the heavyweight champion in 1995, but he yep. was. And he ended up shocking and winning. Now, a lot of people remember Oliver McCall for winning that championship. But what they also remember him for was, if I'm not mistaken, ended up fighting another heavyweight fight against uh, Lennox Lewis, Lewis, if I'm not mistaken, and, and ended up crying in the ring. And they That's ended correct. up stopping the fight, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Yep. So, uh, just part of boxing history. I, that Unfortunately, that's what I remember Oliver McCall for more than I do remember him beating Larry Holmes because clearly at that point, Joe, Larry Holmes should not even have been the heavyweight champion, but they had no one to give the championship to. Right, yeah, and I think Larry had uh, a bit of money problems too later on, so uh, he, he threw on the gloves for a couple, of, uh, a couple of times there when he was, I think, almost 50 years old. I mean, it was like, why is Larry Holmes even in the ring? And, and uh, this guy really thought, he was uh, he was going to be the next uh, big thing, and yeah, Lennox Lewis put a stop to that in a quite a hard, in, in, in quite in rather quick shape too. That was uh, that was pretty funny that fight. Yeah, they fought a couple of times. Yep. And, uh, Lennox Lewis ended up beating him. Oh yeah. So it didn't. Yeah. Uh, Lennox Lewis beat a lot of guys. Never gets any credit. He did. He, yep. you know, he's, he's one of those few boxers that retired at a good time in his life. Went yep. kind of out on top and. Doesn't really get the credit from his era because nope. people say he didn't really have anybody to fight. But look, that's not his fault. Uh, finally, uh, we're, I'm sure we'll hit on Tiger Woods' first uh, green jacket. But this actually was the second one that he mm. won. In 2001, Tiger Woods wins, his sixth, uh, wins the 65th Masters. And this was actually his second one. So not his first. I'm mm. guessing we'll have that for you tomorrow or the day after that. But this is Joe clearly when Tiger Woods was on that hot run of winning all the championships, 2000, 2001, 2002. That was the Tiger Slam year, I think, 2001. So it was, um, that was a stretch of golf. That was a dominance in really not just golf, but all of sports, the likes we just don't, uh, we don't see. I mean, that was, uh, to me, Tiger Woods is like a Haley's Comet. He's the kind of um, player that comes around and transforms, you know, transforms a sport. Uh, not just here, but around the world, and I, you know, you're not going to see. There's not going to be another Tiger Woods for quite a no. long time. No, it's a shame because you know he had all those injuries and yep. then had personal life stuff happen, and clearly would have went down as the best of all time. There's some people who think that he may still be the best of all time, but yes. uh, have you have you? I have not been to his restaurant, The Woods. I heard it's amazing. Yes, uh, in Jupiter, very very nice, nice area, very um, very. He don't oh, live yeah. that far from there at all, yeah. and it's. Uh, very nice, Harborside in uh, Jupiter, Florida, where all the other golfers in the world live as well. Okay, mm-hmm. I got to check it out. A couple, I, I've been meaning to go there. I mean, spring training is right there. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, I was going to say, not too far from the stadiums at all. 
But we should go there after the next spring training. Yes. Exactly. We only have to wait a year for that to happen. So. Yeah, or maybe they'll decide to bring the games to Florida instead of Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Could play them all in Port St. Louis. Why are you all excited about our, what's the matter with Florida? And, you know, Seriously. complex here. I mean, we have enough places to play here, too. But... Yeah. Hello. Ridiculous. All right. Well, that's our This Day in Fantasy Sports mm. History. Oliver McCall on our list. Never thought I'd say that name again, but God. here we are. How about This Day in Fantasy Sports birthdays for April mm. the 8th? And we start off with uh, Jim Catfish Hunter. Wow. Longtime pitcher for the Oakland A's. Goes over to the New York Yankees. Of course, he passed away many years ago. Mm. But this would have been a birthday for Catfish Hunter at the, uh, the date of 1946 when he was born. You see wow. the picture there? Of Mark Clayton. Happy mm-hmm. birthday to Mark Clayton, part of the Marx Brothers. Yep. Born in 1961. And Joe, when I was growing up in South Florida, that's what it was all about here. We did not have baseball. We did not have hockey. We did not have the NBA. Right. So essentially, it was all Miami Dolphins, all Miami Hurricanes all the time. And it was constantly Marino to Duper and Clayton over that's and it. over again. Did you go to games in the old uh, Orange Bowl to see I Miami? Di- I did, as a matter of fact. I, I One year, I did happen to be down here on vacation with uh, with the family. And we did get a chance to go to the old Orange Bowl, which was such a uh, very interesting um, stadium at the time there. And uh, yeah, it was all about... Man, Marino, Marino, Mar- Marino and Shula, two guys that you couldn't go anywhere here in this area without, uh, uh, without there being some sort of story from somebody about those guys. Yeah, and uh, of course they retired Clayton and Duper's numbers, both of Again, them. Yep. They're in the ring of honor uh, with the Dolphins. There are some people that, should, that think that they should be also uh, pro football Hall of Famers, especially Clayton. Yes. With the career that he had, people forget Clayton went on and he played for the Packers a couple of years after he was done with the Dolphins. But certainly at the time, both from a fantasy and I played fantasy back then uh, from a fantasy football uh, perspective and from a reality perspective, you knew you were getting close to a thousand yards and eight to ten touchdowns from Mark Clayton every single year. Look it. Yep. 1963, the birth date of Terry Porter, former guard for the Portland Trailblazers Mm -hmm. of the NBA, also head coach in the NBA. And. And Joe, a lot of people uh, forget just how good of a player Terry Porter uh, was. I guess to the younger crowd, he's known more as a uh, as a head coach. Right. But certainly in those great Blazers teams with him and Drexler and Kevin Duckworth, they were uh, an amazing trio for a team that just kept running into the uh, Michael Jordan Bulls. That was, <laughs> Nothing they they were do. another one. Yep, that was another. Uh, those guys, that team, those teams were good, man. Much like the Portland. Of, you know, the last couple of years, too, where they were just so good, but just couldn't get past either the Warriors or, you know, they were their own worst enemy. But by far, um, that crew there, Terry Porter, too, you know, and that's maybe that's a good time. I don't know if they, I think they're showing some of the uh, the old series right now, like in the NBA network. And yeah, yeah. you you are you talk about watching the old baseball games. Try watching that era of uh, the NBA there. And uh, tell me if you think the guys in this era would uh, would even last. Yeah, no, you, you just would never think that. But yeah, Porter at a very high level played for a long period oh, yeah. of time. Um, okay, so uh, on we go to baseball names to end with. Uh, 1986, Felix Hernandez, who some people feel eventually will be in the Hall of Fame, played almost 15 years for... Wow. For the Seattle Mariners, and crazily enough, this came out of nowhere, Joe, in the offseason. A lot of people thought he was going to retire. Remember, the Mariners yeah. gave him a huge send-off. 
and then he signs with the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, it was strange. And, and he's and and this spring he pitched very well with the Atlanta Braves, and they had an injury to Cole Hamels. There's a, a thought process that Felix Hernandez was going to end up as their fifth starter. I did yep. not see that coming either. But pitched in the World Baseball Classic, pitched a no hitter. King Felix had that era in our fantasy baseball game, Joe, where yeah. during the steroid era it was really hard to find aces in fantasy to be able to go with. Felix Hernandez was always one of those really reliable guys on the mound. Yeah, and let's face it. I mean, it's interesting how he evolved, too. Remember? I mean, the, over the years, when you, when you start looking like every five or six years as a pitcher, he really did start to evolve. And then, you know, which we don't see enough of pitchers these days, you know, once they, they're not throwing 94, 95, it's like, oh, no, you know, what do we do now? But He's got quite the arsenal and actually became, you know, he couldn't go eight innings like he used to, but, um, you know, you can throw him out there, kind of like what CC did, kind of readjusted and became a different kind of pitcher, a really good pitcher. And uh, maybe we can get another year or two out of King Felix. Yeah, could be, could be. If they, if they decide to play, then, yeah, then Felix, I think, will end up making the Braves. At least he was trending there. Yeah. And then finally, our last birthday of the day is Jeff McNeil mm. of the, Atlanta Bra- of the uh, New York Mets, excuse me, born in 1992. McNeil is a really good story on every level. I had yes. him a couple of years ago, his rookie season in fantasy and a couple of auctions. Joe, I only paid a few bucks for him. And this guy went out there and hit 330. He is one of the most popular Mets. He can play all over the field. There was really no predetermined spot for him this year because J.D. Davis probably going to play third base, but they could play McNeil in left. They could play him at third. They yep. could play him at center. And he's kind of one of those throwback-type players that uh, Mets fans really loved. In fact, I don't know where the Mets would be without McNeil over the yep. last couple of years. He's been great. Yep. Yep. I, uh, had, uh, I had said that a couple of times uh, last year. I was telling people, listen, get, keep it. He had, he had some injuries, you know, but when he was one of the best swings contact hitters, Sweet swings, guys, where, you know, two strikes, he shortens it up, puts the ball in play. He hits home runs by accident, you know, simply because he's just putting the bat on the ball. He, um, when you say throwbacks, absolutely. 330, bunch of doubles, you know what I mean? Bunch of pushing guys over, a, uh, a hitter's hitter, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, in, in terms of fantasy, there are so few guys that – that care about batting average anymore. You yeah, know, a lot. It's just like all about on base percentage. Those days yep. of Gwynn and Brett and um, uh, and Rod Carew, like going back to the eighties and like those, like, yeah, that, Wade yeah. Boggs, it was like yep. three fifty, three. Like no one is hitting that anymore. Yep. But McNeil, because he's not a power hitter or at least you know ten to fifteen home run type guy, yeah. he's always just trying to slap the ball all over the field exactly. and get himself yeah. onto first base, can steal some bases as well. So. Yep. Hitting the other way. I mean, really, really really good with how he, you know, how he handled the bat. I I was so impressed with him this past year. Yeah. And and look, it's whenever you have a fan favorite type player, you're Mm -hmm. rooting for him to succeed. So happy birthday to Jeff McDonald. It would be great. We can get a full season out of him. That'd be awesome. Because he would definitely lead. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. He hasn't yet. But that's a guy that's going to hit 3 4. He's going to lead. He's going to lead in uh, batting average for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, we'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. Coming up next, we'll touch on some of the latest news and notes in the NFL, including an updated look at what Hard hard Knocks may look like on HBO this season. The Buccaneers have some new uniforms we'll show you. Uh, Also, could the NFL draft be longer this year? All of a sudden, this has come out of nowhere. So we're going to have to touch on those topics as well. 
You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri. And we're back to wrap up the first hour of our show today right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Don't go away. We're right back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show. The latest in football and in fantasy football. We're going to get to that here in just a second. But before we do that, big announcement made yesterday, Joe, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, new new uniforms, new jerseys. We're going to have a chance to see all this. And I got to tell you, it looked kind of like the old jerseys, uh, to be a little honest with you. But yeah. they, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, cleaner, a little cleaner, a little sharper, right? Yeah, it pretty much looks like exactly like it um, <laughs> like it was. It's like Groundhog Day. I don't know what the hell this is. Like, why? How is this even anything new? I guess the numbers are supposedly a little bit um, clearer wow. to see, and and they're gray. I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That looks different. Look at that. I mean, that's uh, that like. Well, the one on the end looks Uter. like the Falcons. I mean, so right. I guess yeah, maybe a lot of people that. are commenting on that. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of. They look... play each other twice, so yeah. Very thirty-nine. Uh, this. Oh yeah. Well, that looks uh, much. That looks a lot different than. No, oh, no, I haven't seen that before. This yeah. is like, are they kidding me? What they do? Just I had like a stripe I didn't even or two. Look that different. I have no idea. Wow. I think I think they're selling Tom Brady's jerseys, by the way, now also. Wow. You know, listen. Unless you're bringing back the old. Uh, the old putrid ones there. I'm not, you know, I'm not impressed here. Like, bring us back the old, uh, you know, that uh, they're all disgusting ones with the orange and white Oswood. Now that was cool. Do you think you're taking a big risk if you're a Buccaneers fan buying a Brady jersey next year? Like, like these jerseys are not ten bucks. You know, like maybe no. a shirtsy for twenty dollars. That's one thing. But if you're a Buccaneers fan, like you, I mean, look, you assume Tom Brady's going to be okay. You right. assume he's going to have an okay year. But would you throw down like a hundred bucks for a Brady jersey, like not really knowing, like if he's gonna play one year? Like, I mean, don't like it's always a mess when it's a little bit uncertain. I, I that's why I stopped buying shirtsies and jerseys and all that because yeah. unless it's a classic guy, you could be losing him the following yeah. year. I remember when um, when the Marlins traded for uh, was it Jose Reyes? Reyes, yes, uh, yeah, where they signed him. I don't remember if they signed him or traded for. Him. I'm like, okay, there's no way they're getting rid of that guy, right? Yep. So I so I bought a Jose <laughs> Reyes shirt, and then the next year he was gone. gone I'm like, ya. that's it. I'm yep. never, even though it was only twenty dollars, like the principle of it. Like, and then what do you do with the shirt? You like give it away to somebody? You wash your floors with it? Like, I mean, I'm I'm not wearing a Jose Reyes Marlins shirt. The guy's not even on the Marlins anymore. Not doing it. And what do you do with? Uh, I'm wondering if Tom Brady fans that are obviously Patriot <laughs> fans uh, are they. Extending and following Tom Brady, or was I don't it? That's going to be the question to me. Is that all these Brady jerseys that are roaming around? Was it really Brady, or was it just the Patriots? Mm. We're going to mm. find out. Mm-hmm. Find out. I, yep. I, I would say people will be stupid and they'll buy a bunch of 
uh, Brady jerseys and wear them in Tampa. What A Rod jersey did you uh, did you used to wear? Which one did you go? Seattle? Did you go A Rod? I never I, I never had any A Rod. I had um, the only jerseys like actual shirts that I had were I had a Buccaneers Eric Rett. Oh, okay. okay. Well, University of Florida, too. Yep. There's a Gator. I yep. loved Eric Red. I had a 32 Eric Red. I have a Pujols Cardinals jersey. Wow, okay. I have a Pudge Rodriguez All-Star jersey. Very nice. Um, I mean, I have a lot of jerseys signed. I mean, we're talking about ones that I... And I haven't worn a jersey probably in a decade, but those yep. are the ones that I have, like, hanging up that could be worn if I if I chose to. I always wanted to get that Pujols jersey signed, but I just never got around to it. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, it was uh, Mattingly and Jeter were the, were the two ones I think I've ever owned. That was it. Yeah. Lou Pinella, Don Mattingly, and uh, then um, Derek Jeter. That was Are it. those with the baseball cards at your mom's house? Or? That's correct. They're, and those jerseys I know are in there. For sure I know they're in there. You were a big Lou Pinella fan. Loved Lou, man. Loved that the big elbow up, man. Used that. I loved Lou behind Reggie Jackson. I thought it was great. Loved him. I love him because he was a lunatic hothead too. So that he was, was a, and he met, he played hard. He was, you know, uh, he was he was a lot of fun with that team back in the late seventies. Yeah, I gotta see if we could get him on the show. We could reach out. To him. Is he still around, Lou? Is he? He, lived, uh, he lives in like Clearwater. That's like, what I thought. I, I yeah. thought he lived on the on the uh, on the other side. He does. Yeah, he seems to be available and doing things. Yeah. So then I good. loved him with the Reds when he won the World. I it was, you know, loved the big hothead. He was great. Yeah, Seattle too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tampa. You know, it's weird. He didn't wasn't good in Tampa. I don't know what happened there. That was kind of like an. Madden in-between. came in and it was like, yep, great. Yep, very strange. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. made made Lou look like he didn't know what he was talking about. Very yeah, strange. It was weird. It, yep, that finished out not not too great there. Okay, <laughs> um, so uh, I guess it was Adam Schefter that first had this story that Hard Knocks is going to be doing like a two team deal this year. Now look, right. let's be honest. Hard Knocks is always pretty good. It's it's pretty compelling. Yep. It's always interesting. Mm-hmm. This particular year of all of them mm-hmm. was, I thought, the worst because, again, uh, and I love the show, but there was just so much Antonio Brown stuff. Yeah. I didn't. I, everyone was happy because they thought it was going to make for a great year. I thought it was just such a distraction to. So it was like, like, he, like he's just he was so overdone. It was yep. every single second. It was something about him. There were a couple of good stories, I thought, too. In fact, the tight end, Waller, came out of that and ended up right. having a great year as tight end with the Raiders. Yep. But I got to say, uh, Rams and Chargers. So, like, let's go through it here, Joe. Like, what's the big suck you in? Like, is it? are there any really good storylines that we're thinking here? I would have thought New Stadium would have been uh, a key part of this. McVeigh seems like an interesting guy on the side of, mm-hmm. of the Rams. Of course, now Gurley is gone. So uh, Jared Goff, I guess we'll follow him around a little bit. We don't really know what's going on with the Chargers. Why do you think the NFL? Why do you think they're doing this? Two teams at once. Well, because you get two teams at one, both in that new stadium, uh, new yeah, logo. Um, you know, you've got a few things working there. Uh, this is actually the second time for the Rams. Um, right. On yeah, Fisher, they had. Yep, yeah, they had Fisher when they made the move, and now you know, kind of that coming together because it's going to be interesting to see how they do that in Inglewood. You know, when they're when they're going to do it the same, but it's too really, no more Todd Gurley. It's kind of a new start, certainly, for the Chargers, right? I, who's going to be the quarterback? What if they move up and go get Tua? Um, you know, it makes sense to get two for one since they're probably going to be practicing and everything together anyway moving into this new stadium. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoy those shows. It, it kind of gets you ready for the football season, and it's you know based around the preseason too. I I I can't sit here and say I don't enjoy because I do. I really like them. I end up recording them, and then going back and watching them. But I was really disappointed in the Raiders season. I, I thought because it wasn't really about the Raiders. It became the Antonio Brown sideshow. It, it was just too much. It got it was, buried. Everything else got buried. Yeah, there, there was like, I think that there was a key moment, too, where we were supposed to see what happened with Antonio no. Brown because he got released away, and they like didn't even have that on no. the episode or something. No. It was just like, nope. um, not, not my favorite season, and, and I always do like the Raiders, and, and the first episode actually was really good. Gruden was into it, and yep. then kind of uh, faded a little bit from there. New defensive coordinator, you got new, uh, you know, new quarterbacks, you got new... Uh, the draft, I think, is going to be real interesting, especially for the Chargers now on yeah. uh, what they do. So that'll be a, a very interesting storyline coming in. Yeah, so we'll look forward to that. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have that in August or September. So uh, this was a really interesting story that came out yesterday that I wanted to ask you about. We haven't, uh, you know, we're going to start getting into the draft pretty mm -hmm. soon and, and start breaking down all the players. But Kevin Colbert, who's an excellent general manager, the general yes. manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you usually don't hear this kind of scuttle happen before the draft. Uh, he has quotes from CBS saying that he's pushing for three more rounds in the uh, in the or apparently wants three more rounds in the NFL draft. So that would take it from seven to ten rounds. rounds. It's, it's based on, I, I suppose, not having uh, being able to scout as much as they previously did and gives them more sensibility to have some extra players. Um, right. Uh, the quote is inherent challenges posed by the coronavirus restrictions. Okay. So, so basically it's protecting your own ass is what it sounds like. So if you can get a couple extra rounds of guys in case you might have missed somebody. I guess. Uh, you know what I mean? So give himself uh, more of an opportunity to be a, well, and listen, we got an eighth round pick of the starter. What a steal. Yeah. Most of those guys are, you know, they're non-contract guys. You sign None them. None of the seventh-round guys almost make it ever anyway, no. right? Yeah, they become practice players. I mean, you, you, you got to have and somebody. And then we're going to have somebody screaming in our ear that Philip Lindsay made it. Yep. It's like, yeah, we get it. Like, one out of every 500 guys ends up right. making it from the seventh well, round. Well, you do get the kid. Well, is it, the roster increases this year, too, does it not? Right, I'm not I sure. Think, yeah, I think you get a couple extra players now anyway to be able to house on the roster. So... Uh, you know, I see it. I, and listen, if anything, it gives the guys an opportunity who would, you know, it's all those guys that get signed after the draft. You know what I mean? They don't get non-contract guys, but they, you know, you get the invitation. We love to sign you. Come on. Yeah. Um, and those are the guys that usually Belichick finds the diamonds at a rough Harbaugh finds it. All of these guys were like, where did they come from? They weren't drafted. Speaking of which, you mentioned John Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. Now. Look, I am, I've been using the Zoom conferencing for a long period of time, but I use it for my audio podcasts. Okay. The NFL apparently is, at least for somewhat, looks like they're going to be using this for the NFL draft. Okay. Harbaugh says that he has concerns that they're going to get hacked yeah. before they make their picks. Now, I would ask you, Joe, what do you think the odds of something like this happening are? I, I would guess that NFL security is pretty strong, but right. now the players uh, that are going to be drafted, the coaches are all going to be asked to like click links they've never clicked before. And I suppose the possibility is out there. It would be a bad look for the NFL, but do you really think that there's a legit shot that on draft day, 
we're going to be seeing something wacky on there. And I know it's happened already in a couple of different places where somehow uh, people hacked into the conferencing. Uh, yeah, it's happened a lot. And uh, I, I, I would be totally amazed if it, if it happens again here, especially since the cat's already out of the bag and Zoom knows what the, uh, what the issues have been. They, they've addressed them. And yeah, I, listen, I don't care if it's Skype, if it's Zoom, if it's any one of the different platforms you might be able to use, there's always going to be some level of security concerns, but I would have to imagine that, yeah, where they're going to be running at from, I, I think the secure lines will be just fine for the NFL draft. Yeah, um, apparently uh, he has some concerns about it, and they said it on a conference call, and the quote is, every time I read something in like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, it talks about how messed up Zoom is or yep. some of these other deals, I immediately text it to our IT people and director of football administration and they assure me that we're doing everything humanly right. possible. I don't know that that gives me a pretty good endorsement. Yeah, secure servers. They'll be, they'll be, it'll be very, very hard. Nobody's going to get uh, Zoom bombed there in the middle. Your third grade teacher's class, that, that's a problem. But the NFL draft, we won't have any problem there. All right, I'm going to take your word for it. We can't bet on that, like over under one hacking. That's great. The... That's a, you know I'm going to find that. You know <laughs> I am. Yep, uh, absolutely. Good. We'll check to that. We'll check for that yeah. next week. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to this one here. Now, listen, only Dana White in the UFC could come up with this one. Oh, but, boy. But Dana White is just essentially hell-bent on having this UFC event because, look, now that WrestleMania, let's be honest, WrestleMania just set the bar for everybody, okay? 13 million people viewing WrestleMania over the weekend. Major League Baseball, NFL, they all saw it and went, whoa, there's some money there. Yep. And so, essentially, what Dana White is trying to do, and he's always been outside of the box, give him mm -hmm. a lot of credit for everything he's accomplished because he's yep. been amazing for the UFC. He says that he's closing in, Joe, on securing a private island for ongoing weeks of fights. Yep. So, I mean, this kind of blows my mind here how just, like, securing an island would even be enough to pull these off. Like, every time I think of private island, I think of two different things. I think of Gilligan's Island. Right. Or I think of Castaway with Tom Hanks. Fantasy Island, Gilligan's Island. The Fantasy <laughs> Island, too. So um, I think there was a reality show, uh, something like that. With yes, the island. But, absolutely. Uh, uh, Pleasure Island. I don't Pleasure know. Island was the So, you're, so how, how, how is this going to happen? So well, they're going to have an island, they're going to put a, an octagon in there, and then, like, what's the deal? Like, how, how are they getting the camera people there? Like, I, I don't, I don't um, get it. I get it from the standpoint of, listen, the problem they're going to have moving forward is that getting foreign fighters into the country to be able to fight. There's quarantining. They're not letting them in. So if you have access to a private island somewhere, you can probably fly in the, the, the Khabibs who are still stuck in Russia. You, you'd be able to easily get some of those foreign fighters in to be able to obviously fight when you want. And, and he wants that island to be like home base for the next, he wants a, a fight a week, like, uh, like they were doing, a UFC once a week there. So what better way to do it than a private eye? I don't know where, like what kind of realtor do you have to get to, to look for I mean, vacant is, islands? Like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, like I would have said, what island has the technology that is just like set up and, and just, ready to go with this stuff. Like, That's what happens when you have a billion dollars. You know what I mean? You, make, just, you, you make the island. You make it up. You island. grow one. You, you know, right? a little chia pet. That's all. It's an island. Boom. That's what we're doing at SportsGrid. We're bringing right. all of our team at SportsGrid to a private island just Correct. so we can 
Yep. We're going to do the draft from there. That's person. right. That's it. That's yep. where we'll have our, our draft coverage brought yep. to you by privateisland.com. Done. That's what, that's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> sure. By the way, do you get caught? I, I see this a lot. Speaking of islands, it's like mm -hmm. if you, you know, they're asking questions on social media constantly. It doesn't stop. But one of them is always like, if you were stuck on an island, pick the five people that you'd want to be with, uh, you know, uh, this group, this group, that like group, right. so many people. This is like all I see right now on Twitter is just like, answer this question for me. What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? And I guess people are trying to be, uh, get creative because they're so bored. Right. But I don't even know that I've answered any of these, but they're all out there. Like, like uh, you're you're at a table and you yeah. can only pick these people. Like, which one do you pick? So yeah. I suppose that they could do this with private islands. I, I'm sure there is a private island somewhere that um, the current president or whoever the leader of that island might be interested in getting a check with a lot of zeros on it. That's and it. by all means, come, you know, not for fans, so it's just for the fighters. It is a kind of quarantine that it's interesting um, because the only people that would be there would be the UFC people which uh, is interesting to me. I just don't know how many of these types of islands there actually are around the world. Um, I, maybe there's more than we know. Maybe the Bahamas? I don't know. Yeah, the Bahamas pretty inhibited, though, at this point. Like, yeah, they got a couple of those little out-of-barrier islands. So I, 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 I went to one of those, actually, on my honeymoon. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, we went to one of those. Like Bimini, or where, where'd it's you go? Cat Island. Oh yeah, what a little okay. Yep. It's gone now. It got wiped out by the hurricane. But yep. we went there, it was the scariest thing ever. It was like no electricity. Like yep. there were people there and they were helping, but at night it was like dark, dark. And scary. <laughs> and after one night, we went yep. back to Atlantis, man. We're yep. like, this is just yep. too it, it can't do this, man. I appreciate the isolation, but I gotta go. I think they made a movie, a quiet place. Yeah. I think they made a movie. Exactly. All right. Uh, we'll be right back after a couple of minutes. We've got the 1990 through 1999 Fantasy League Legends draft. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.